I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Blushy Boys podcast. Blushyboys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going tonight? Good, man. It's been a while. I know. I logged on and Skype didn't remember who I was. I was like, damn, Skype. It's only been a couple weeks now. I know. Well, we had a, we <laughs> quite the, like, the perfect array of events where I got really sick and couldn't i didn't have a voice and i couldn't hear and blah 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 and i'm sure there are at least three listeners right now going man she still had no voice but that's fine that's you guys fine. i love you too <laughs> um well, that's cool i no, no what they're saying to themselves is oh thank god it's not going to be brandon talking for a <laughs> solid hour with no like interruptions and games and whistles and no they love you <laughs> well they might they may love me to our itunes <laughs> review Oh yeah, that one review. Yeah, well, that was, that's still, like the only review we've ever gotten to, which I guess fine. Fine. somebody loved equally... me enough to, to write it in. That was great. I loved it. It's fine. Right, I right. did not. It's... I did not cry about it later. Oh no, you were fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I've been really sick, and then of course the Tigers have been relatively uninspiring, and um, yeah, so it's been uh, a lot of fun. But here we are back again. Yeah, and honestly, like, you know, I was, you know, I was kind of laid up for part of the summer, so I ended up just kind of carrying things at the site as far as, like, being the one who's awake in the middle of the night doing the stupid minor league recap and then taking, you know, getting the recaps done. So, I don't know, like, about a week or two ago, I was just like, you know what? It's like, I just need to, I need to step away. Yeah, <laughs> minor well, league season course- ended and I was just like, ah, I, I can't, uh, I can't do anything for a week or so. I need to just clear my head. Of course, both Rob and I had no home internet, so it's been... <laughs> Uh, it's a comedy of errors at bless you boys for the last month but i think we're getting back into our groove again yeah i think we are finding the groove but yeah like half the staff is either moving or just found a new job or is going to school again just started school so yeah it's just been a, been a total cluster lately much like the tigers yes yeah. you almost say it was a tribute it was a tribute situation yes but uh yeah i mean it hasn't been very inspiring uh, on the field, of course, but um, and so we've just been trying really just to celebrate the the wins, like you know, like they're the the huge triumphs that they kind of are for this group. Um, I don't know; it's fun to just kind of blow it out of proportion when the Tigers win a crazy game, like they oh, did that, against that, the Yankees, huge home run derby against yeah. the Yankees. I I didn't end up; I was on the road for work, and I kept checking in, and every time I looked, it was like the score was like suddenly eleven eleven, and I'm like, what? is happening in this game yep every once in a while the offense just kind of like pulls it all together and and everything goes okay and i think you know sometimes like the opposing team is as shocked as anybody they're like yeah you know i checked the lineup before my start and i didn't recognize any names other than miguel cabrera and then all these these guys just kept hitting singles off me left and right and then a guy hit a home run you know yeah it's uh we were told this would be an easy win we are the yankees yeah, it's funny how that happens. Like, you can fall asleep a little bit. Yeah. But, of course, it is the Yankees, and so they rebounded today by walloping many, many dingers in a straight doubleheader after uh, 
Wednesday's game was rained out. Took the Tigers out twice today. Uh, Matt Boyd wasn't terrible, but continues to to have his kind of fading doldrum uh, half. Yeah, I keep trying to say I'm not worried about Matt Boyd, but then he keeps not improving. Yeah, it's I don't know. I'm just not sure what to, what to think about it because I mean, part of it he's got to start changing speeds more. He knows that he's talked about needing to use the change up and stuff more, but. He just hasn't really been that sharp, and um, I don't know, maybe, you know, he, the season just kind of wore him down, they just had a new baby, I don't know, maybe he hasn't been uh, in his in his full baseball place the last month or so, but yeah, it's been a little concerning, um, we, we all kind of hope that this is a stepping stone to him being a little bit better even again next year, and yeah, I don't know, right now it's not feeling great on that score, is it? Mm-mm, no, but I mean, you're right, it is kind of like, I mean, it's August is the dog days of summer, so we're even beyond that, but, um, you know, it's it's kind of at the point where the, the, the stamping is on the gravestone for the season, and everyone knows it, and I think the team is starting to feel it, and it can't be nice to be out there seeing, you know, Nick Castellanos talking about how great and welcoming and wonderful the Chicago Cubs are and, you know, the winning <laughs> environment and vibe while he knocks in his you know, 14th home run with the team. Yeah. Um, and it, it just can't, when this is the guy who was leading your ship and was your union rep and was your guy in the clubhouse, right? Like, I, I think it's tough, and I don't mean to pin everything on Nick here, but as an example, I mean, it's really hard when you you just have nothing kind of pulling you through those last couple of months. Yeah, so there's not really that tough. much to, yeah, there's just not that much to play for. And really, I mean, it's the young guys who, who don't feel that way, I'm sure. So you also have, like, the mix of, like, all these guys having their first kind of major league experience and, you know, probably excited, nervous, you know, whatever freaked out a little bit wanting um, to prove around. yourself too i mean who was it that came out today was it like not brandon dixon but like it was um oh god um oh my god ashley your friggin brain travis Merritt. no it wasn't travis Merritt. who by the way i love that i finally started pronouncing his name right after he debuted because i wanted it to be all french, all french. yeah and it, not just like cashing in demerits it was beckham it was gordon beckham um who was kind of like you know you, you can't play on the tigers you can't play anywhere anywhere yeah. um <laughs> yeah. kind of statement like to these young guys like you got to prove it and you got to prove it here because if you're not making it count in detroit you're not going to get picked up somewhere else yeah and no like that's trust you, yeah. hard truth to be handed down um, so I don't know. It's, it's not a, you know, cheerful environment. I feel like. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, when they get to the, to the end of the season, I, I do think like everybody kind of tends to loosen up like the final week or, or two. Cause it's like, okay, you know, we're, we're almost through the season. Let's try to enjoy these last, you know, yeah, 10 yeah. games or whatever and, and have a good time. But yeah, it's, um, Gordon Beckham had that statement and, you know, and Jordy Mercer's kind of said some things, um, along the same lines, like, you know, it's, you know, you know, there, there's always something to play for, but a lot of the time you have to really work to, you know, to figure out what it is for yourself. And in his case, it's, you know, okay, you're going to play Willie Castro at shortstop now. And I understand, you know, how things work and, and what my role is at this point. But, you know, I also need to go out and show teams that, you that know, I'm I can still useful. Play, yeah, I can play second base. You know, I can play outfield in a pinch if you needed to and try to set himself up for some kind of a, you know, 
veteran, you know, the, the player coach utility man role um, that, you know, someone like Ian Kinsler has been serving and, yeah, and yeah. yeah, guys like that. So, I mean, there's always something, but yeah, I mean, baseball is a grind and even more so when your team doesn't have, you know, even any shot of being respectable and you kind of have to find, find you're, that thing you're for yourself. Really, every, really just the, just the, you're really just, you're, you're, you're the games between other winning teams and their position in the playoffs. Yeah, you're the easy wins that the Yankees are looking for, and that can't feel good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just can you know if you can make it just depends how you know each guy particularly is motivated. You know, some players I'm sure really like to you know put the chip on their shoulder and be like, yeah, all these teams think you know this is just the point in their schedule where they you know they pad their lead or they close the gap you know in the in the playoff race and all that kind of stuff. And if you can get annoyed by that and kind of you know have a little bit of cheek to you, like now we're gonna you know steal your thunder and. Be a spoiler. Legs out from under you. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe you know you can find a way to motivate yourself all those ways. But yeah, you watch some of the some of these guys play right now, and it just you know there, there's just mental errors. There's things that you know I'm watching like Jake Rogers, and who has had like minor pass ball issues in the in the minor leagues because probably because he's working too hard on the the framing issue and trying to catch everything almost too clean when it's it's not necessary. Yeah. I'm sure there's some things to work on there, but it's almost like, you know, they they've got too much going on in their head trying to do too many things and Willie Castro some of these guys really look like they're in their head and their feelings <laughs> both at the same time a little bit trying to get comfortable and uh, and settle in. Yeah. yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, that was this was a bit of a discussion amongst the staff today of like, is he truly the catcher of the future? And I think you're right. I think it may just be a bit too much of a focus on framing right now, which is something he's good at. And yeah. I, I think it's still learning a new pitching staff and, and doing all that. But he's also used to kind of a shuffling pitching staff, even down in the minor. Yeah, course. yeah, um, that's true. So I don't know that that's really the blame point right like he he kind of got bumped up and he was playing with a bunch of different pitchers earlier in the season so I don't know if maybe it's the caliber of pitchers that has changed but I mean you got Manning and Mize who are nothing to shake a stick at and yeah he might have seen he might have, he might have had better pitching when he was at Erie the first he month might of season, have yeah. exactly so um so maybe that's part of it and he didn't really have to do as much blocking but um, I think it's stuff that he can work on in the off season, and I think we're we're going to see a pretty steep improvement by spring training. I'm I'm still not at the point now of worrying about Jake Rogers. No, no. I mean, there's just so many things that that get in your head to begin with, and then when you're the catcher, you have way more responsibilities, way more things to to learn and and to focus on than if you're a shortstop or a reliever yeah. or somebody yeah. coming up. So. Yeah, I'm going to chalk it up for the most part to those kind of things. Um, it just seems like, you know, it's more like understanding where the emphasis has to be placed. Like if there are runners on base, you know, don't worry so much about the framing. You've got to keep everything in front of you. And then, okay, you know, if there's two outs or if there's no one on base, yeah, that's when, you know, you engage Mr. Mr. Perfect Soft Hands yeah. and, uh, and try to snatch everything on the outside edges and, and hold the ball and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, just just learning not just where not just improving your, yeah exactly not not just working on your skills but being able to prioritize them as the as the game progresses and unfolds so yeah i'm not gonna not gonna worry too much about that um it has been a little bit disappointing that we really haven't seen any of the position players who've, who've come up this year really do a whole lot um i don't know uh, when other teams are bringing up all these guys, it you know it just seems like every week someone's calling up a top prospect who takes off and hits five home runs or something in their first mm-hmm. week. I see Bo Bichette's hair flipping all over my Twitter feed right now. Yep, yeah. 
Kyle Tucker came up for the Astros, even like Abraham Toro coming up and, you know, do, having a pretty big role in, in his own way. And Justin Verlander was no hitter. All these teams are getting these little contributions, but <clears throat> it's just a fact that the Tigers haven't really called up their, their best guys because almost all of them are pitchers or Isaac Paredes. And yep. Yep. so it makes sense that some of these guys will take a little, take a little while to, to settle in. But you know, the thing that just keeps irritating me is watching guys like Victor Reyes and Dowell Lugo and Jake Rogers, you know, all get to the major leagues and then start hearing about all these things that they need to do with their swing. Like, Oh, well, you know, they're going to need to make some, you know, some changes. We want them to hold their hands in a different position. We want to take away their leg kick. We want to add a leg kick. It just seems like none of this work goes on in the minor leagues. And I know that it does, but it's just incredible how often these guys get to the major leagues. And then it's like, oh, well, yeah, now it's time to overhaul their swing. And it's like, what the hell have you guys been doing down there the past past two or three years, you know? Yeah. It just feels like the Tigers have such a hands-off... Um, just, just kind of method to player development where they just want them to play the games. You know, it's all the about Tigers playing way. games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was on the, the radio in Toledo today, and Mike Miller actually specifically asked me, like, you know, why, why is it that the Tigers are so bad offensively and, like, don't have any hitting prospects? Like, is this, this, this has to be an indictment on Al Avila and the entire system. Because, again, I was just like, oh, wow, thanks for the meatball. Like, this is amazing. I'd love to answer this, but I only have, like, a minute. This is a hard question on the on the radio. But, yeah, it's, it's something that we're just going to continue discussing because until the Tigers produce a whole bunch of bats and, and find some somewhere else, like, it it almost doesn't matter how good the all the pitching on the farm is because somebody's got a hit. So, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. I think that the – I mean, you and I both agree on this, but I think the long-term kind of – plan for the Tigers has always been raise your pitching by your bats and I don't know that I agree with it but it seems to be what their focus is which is you know it's not fun because it means you don't have anyone exciting to look forward to I mean outside of the pitching staff which of course we you know we had posts on this from Zane who did a great piece about the potential 2021 rotation and um, there's a lot of excitement to look forward to on the mound but, like, we got to get somebody who can, you know, get the ball over those apparently impossible Comerica outfield walls. Yeah. Yeah, which everybody else seems to reach with, with no difficulty when they're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, we're, you know, technically, like, two years since they declared the rebuild. But, yeah, we still haven't found, a you know, a single hitter or a single major league position player since uh, Al Avila took over and that's you know that's just bad that's not that's not good <laughs> no um you don't just find them in the draft or you know in trade necessarily like we've seen the Yankees just you know pick people up off the scrap heap all over the place this year and just make a little tweak for them and improve you know something in their swing or you know or in some cases just tell them to just kind of be themselves and stop you know trying to do you know there's players like Cameron Maben who've you know, been bounced around for, you know, the last four or five years, really, between teams. And, you know, anywhere you go, you get new instruction. The team wants you to play a little differently. And, you know, it it probably does get into your head to where you don't even know what player you are anymore because you're just trying to keep your job and, and stay where you are. So the Yankees seem to have a knack for just kind of unlocking, you know, whatever a guy's natural ability is. Um, some other teams have, have certainly done plenty of that as well. And, yeah, until we start doing that, it's it's just really kind of hard to see the future. Um, yeah, and yet you um you, you know you kind of nailed it there, where the Tigers seem to I don't know if it, if it's necessarily the plan that they were going to build through pitching, 
or if they were just kind of in best player available mode and for them it was just the pitchers because they you know have a better idea what they're looking at there and aren't as good with with hitting but yeah um i don't really have a problem with that philosophically but you still have to find you still have to find the bat someplace so and as we found out this week well and i mean we've been talking about this all along too because the, the fate of the Tigers, ownership and everything is, is you know, just feels real in question, I think, still to everyone at this point, even though it's not something that there's much to talk about because we don't, you know, we don't have any insight into, you know, when the Tigers might be sold or if there's a chance that, you know, that Chris Illich would actually decide he wanted to hang on to them. Uh, but it doesn't seem like that's the way it's the way it's trending. And so, it, you know, the expectations that they would buy the bats to go with the, the arms may be, you know, a little bit overly optimistic as well they may just have the arms and, and that's just how it is i don't know yeah it's going to be interesting and i know that was kind of something you're talking about the potential for selling the team yeah, was lynn something are- was yeah lynn henning had a post about that that i'm not sure everyone because lynn technically is off the beat now but has been writing some prospect stuff recently and um kind of sharing his thoughts and he's got he's you know as much as people kind of poke fun at lynn has some pretty solid background insight um into people and things involved in the team so i don't generally sneer entirely at his opinion yeah. um, or his his information um, yeah exactly like sometimes i'm not there with the opinion but the information it, you can you can trust you yeah, can trust the, linda report what he's seen and yeah what the he inf- is information is never going to be conjecture so yeah. what i found it interesting when he posted this week that said that the team won't be sold right away um but when when the illich matriarch goes is, is when you may see things start to move and that there are interested parties kind of waiting in the wings. And of course, it's hard, you know, for that family to not want to do that. Like, I, I don't begrudge, you know, Chris Illich, when you look at something like with the Royals, where you sell a team for a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, this was never Chris's passion project. It was Mike's. Yep. And... You know, I can't be mad at a guy who's, you know, waiting for his mom to go because it mattered to her, too, um, to say, maybe I will sell this for a billion dollars. Yeah, or two billion. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah it's yeah. a great city and a, a really good market for it. So, yeah, and the timing, you know, just kind of coming up with the with new contracts, um, you know, in, in TV and radio, there, there's just a lot of kind of factors that all seem to be a little bit murky and just just out of reach in the future that we don't really we don't really know what the plan is or or how long you know it's going to be before they you know they renegotiate all these contracts but all those all those factors together do kind of you know make a compelling case that you know this this is a pretty good time for the illiches to get out if if that's what they want to do um and yeah i don't know if um if marion illich you know is maybe she is super into the team I i don't really know um, they would know better than I, but I did see, um, I think it was Bill Shea from Cranes, Cranes Detroit, who, um, Bill Shea's business, awesome. awesome. Yeah, he is awesome. The business writer. And, um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was kind of talking with Lynn about the same thing and, and just pointing out that, you know, there've been, there've been hints that, you know, Tom Gorris has already inquired about the team that they've, you know, that they've gotten plenty of offers, but he also said something interesting in that it sounded like he believes that, that the Tigers are kind of floating a lot of the rest of the Illich organization while, they've kind of got a lot of, you know, ongoing projects in the Detroit area that they're very, very slowly um, working on. And that, you know, that, that the the sports teams might be a big part of the actual cash flow 
and that that may affect when you know when it's okay for them to sell or when when that window opens for them too. So well, that's interesting. Um, I hadn't heard that part of it. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's all speculation, and, and nobody really knows. But it just kind of goes to show how many how many different factors that are out of sight will uh, will be brought to bear in that decision. So it's just hard to know. And I mean, I think we had all already more or less braced ourselves for the fact that even if the the Illiches did keep the Tigers, it wasn't like Chris Illich was gonna you know, turn into his dad and sign, you know, Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez yeah, this yeah. offseason, you know. Oh, God, that would be fun, though. Oh, that would be so much fun. And and Yasiel Puig. Oh, I shouldn't even think about it. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, these things don't don't seem to be in the cards for the Tigers um, anytime in the future. We'll be we'll be shopping in the, the bargain barrel. Maybe we can get ourselves a, you know, a discount price Scooter Jeanette or Travis Shaw or something to help out a little bit. Do what we said. Pretty sure Scooter Jeanette is a free agent right now if we really wanted him. He got yeah, dropped by the Giants very shortly after that move. Yeah, but you know, you give him the part of the offseason, see if he's healthy, check yeah, his medicals, yeah. all that stuff. And then, yeah, maybe, because right now, if you sign him, there's nowhere to play him anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, obviously, there isn't, doesn't seem to be a ton of interest because uh, the Cubs didn't come sniffing around when uh, Javi Baez tragically was injured. Um, you know, but that's because the Cubs can just call up Nico goddamn Horner, plug him right in, yeah. and they're fine. <laughs> they just got Ben uh. Zobris back. It's incredible just seeing like seeing teams sol- being able to solve their problems that easily. Like like well, these are teams that aren't just like Brewers. trying to get. Well, that's true, but the teams Ooh. that are trying to get in the playoffs, you know, you'd think they'd be maxed out and like they're trying everything, and no, you know, Javi Baez goes down, and yeah, we'll just we'll bring up Nico Horner. You know, the Dodgers have a little trouble. Ah, uh, we'll bring up, you know, we'll trade Puig in the offseason, and we'll bring up Alex Verdugo, and then we'll bring up Gavin Lux, who's, like, the best player in the minor leagues this year, mm-hmm. our new shortstop. With, like, the we'll best get... name. Like, yeah. can we talk Gavin about Lux Gavin Lux? Is a good name. the name of, like, a rock star yeah. in some sort of, like, Netflix yes. Black not, Mirror not a special. Real, exactly. Not a real rock star, but the rock star. No, from... like, an imagined fictional rock star from, like, the near future. Yeah. Like, Gavin Lux, that is a made-up name. Yeah, like um, like some kind of foil to like Hedwig from the Angry Inch, you know, like yeah, some kind yeah. of like a, a dark rocker with slick black hair and you know sunglasses and a bad heroin addiction, <laughs> something I don't know. Gavin Lux, that is a good, very good baseball name. But yeah, when, all these teams are just calling people up left and right. Um, even teams that have been winning for years now are still out drafting Tigers and just you know calling up pitching prospects like Dustin May, and yeah, it's frustrating. It is frustrating to watch. There does seem to be a little trend of injury going on, though, because uh, not only did Shohei Otani go down today, but Christian Yelich the other day fouled one off his kneecap, fractured his kneecap. kneecap. Yeah. Oh, that's a heartbreaker. So he's out, obviously, for the rest of the season, and it's not good. But he did get to avoid surgery, which is great, which means he'll probably be back next year. Yeah, because it really did seem like for a while people were talking like, ah, yeah, that surgery takes like six, seven months to rehab. He might not be back next year either, which would have been awful. Oh, gosh. And yeah, you're right. Shohei Otani's out for eight to 12 weeks now, I think. Yeah. 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 And these things suck because this is the time of year when my attention starts to like, okay, like the Tigers are wrapping it up. Like I haven't paid that much attention. I just know like how the races are going and I've watched, you know, I've watched some games from other teams, but this is where, it's time for hardcore baseball fan who has a terrible team that they root for to like pick a couple favorites and start you know following the postseason. 
So all of our attention. Oh, I'm sure you do. As our attention is turning to that, and then yeah, it's like all these all these injuries to key players. Oh, hate to see it. Seems like maybe Javi Baez will be back for the postseason too. But yeah, hopefully. But, um, hopefully. Yeah, but meanwhile, Ashley's sitting in the catbird seat because uh, yeah, the Rays are just just trucking right along. They're not doing terribly, that's for sure. Yep. How many games up are they right now in the wild card? Oh, that's a great, great question. They're still playing right now. But hold on, I can tell you. Uh, they were like a half game up last time I checked, but that was not recent. Uh, it is very close between them and the A's. Um, oh, I guess between them and... Uh, they are a half game on up. Cleveland? Cleveland right now. Okay, yeah. And Cleveland is kind of falling Cleveland's back a little about bit. about a half about game a half behind, behind Oakland, Oakland right now. So, so yeah. it's a... Uh, Good on you, the A's, though. I'd, I'd love to see the A's push Cleveland out. Yeah, um, yeah that'd be fine by further. me. Would not be mad about that. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see the Rays push their their win a little bit further ahead. I think they're still on an expectancy for about 94, 95 wins this season. Yeah. Which, it's insane to me that you can have a 95-win team and not be a shoe-in. Yeah, like, it really is. It seems like it should win 90. Like, that's yeah. insane. They won 90 last year, and people are like, what the hell? And then, yeah, I don't know. Don't get me started. We're not a raised podcast. I have to remind myself that. Yeah. Well, and if you go back historically, of course, like when there was only like two teams and they just went to the World Series, like, you know, teams would win 100 games all the time and not make it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So circumstances are at least better for the for the underdogs these days. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I was saying before we got on the call that I have to start thinking about my budget and whether or not I have to go to the World Series this year. <laughs> yep. I went the last time the Tigers were in it, of course. And if you have a team, right, you you want to be there for the big games. So, oh my, I got to start pinching pennies. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you just don't know, you know, how many chances you're going to get necessarily. Well, that's just um, it. Even if you're the Yankees, you know, if you didn't go see the Yankees in the in the World Series in 09 or something, you probably didn't imagine it would take, you know, 11 seasons until you got another another possible chance. So, yeah, exactly. you just never know how things are going to go. So, yeah. Speaking, no, yeah. speaking yeah. of Oakland, yeah, because this is, um, the Tigers have been making some, like, at least some kind of strange and bizarre news. <laughs> but uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the makeup home game um, from the game that was canceled back in May because it, it just, it was just hilarious kind of as people started diving into what what would happen if you took the stats from the game when it was finally completed and plug them in in terms of the the A's streak that was ongoing back in May and everything it was just kind of ridiculous like how many uh, how many things were affected by that yeah there was some hilarious stuff in there like um, because of course Josh Harrison was playing in that game when it ended, like when they had to call it, I think he had two strikes, um, and they, they called it mid bat. And so he obviously has been released and is no longer with the team. So Jordy Mercer, um, hopped in there to kind of finish his at bat and struck out. Um, which means that he actually impacted Josh Harrison's um, yeah, final life stats with the with the Tigers and managed to reduce them. Yep. So, um, and there were some other weird ones. Like I think um, Nick Castellanos hit a home run that day for the Cubs. So it means that he technically hit a home run for the Cubs in the same day he hit a home run for the Tigers yeah. in that A's Tigers game. Yeah, because uh, if you go to search it at search that game and everything else that happened that day um, at Baseball Reference, you know, through their through their database and the play index and all that kind of stuff, yeah, it looks like Nick Castellanos homered 
for two different teams on the same day. <laughs> yeah, and then I think what was, was it? Difficult. It was, was Merritt or something ended up getting because I think he hit a home run or he did something in that game. So technically got that before his like debut. <laughs> like yeah. all sorts of ridiculous stuff. It was tr- like tremendous weird fun facts. Yeah, yeah. If you were if you're kind of a stats geek or or just just into all those kind of oddities, yeah, there was there was just a ton of it. Um, yeah. What was the? Oh yeah, and the the other thing about it was that because technically it was a home game for the Tigers. Like you went into, into the A's Coliseum and it was like, welcome to Comerica park was up on the, <laughs> up on the board and all that kind of stuff. And the, like the, the, Oh, they did the, it great. Yeah. They like had it, the flags like Coliseum, were flipped and but stuff. it was like yeah. scratched out and was like Comerica. And then they put like the background of Detroit's view and everything like that. It was yeah. really cute. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was just a really, really odd series of events there. So yeah, that was, that was kind of one of the more interesting games uh, that we've seen lately. It was pretty, pretty fun, fun little stuff there. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, I love Um, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about uh, about Mr. Boyd. Um, Let's talk a little bit about a happier subject, which is Mr. Daniel Norris. Oh, oh, you know, I'm always down. Yeah, because I just want to take a moment to gloat, because I don't usually get a chance to gloat that often, or I, or I just don't take the opportunity, but goddamn was everybody, like, super down on Daniel Norris all last offseason, and I understand it, I understand why, but goddamn, people, you can't give up on, on young players this fast, especially when they don't have, like, an arm injury. When you're a pitcher and your shoulder and your elbow are fine, there's still a chance, so, Yeah. So I just want to get that off my chest because as it turns out, Daniel's like been as durable as anybody on the team that's held up all season. Hasn't exactly been great. Um, no doubt about that, but it, you know, has basically put up league average numbers and innings for the Tigers all season long. And as I had foreseen is starting to find a little bit of his velocity coming back. And good. I still, good. yeah, so I'm still going to, I'm going to, you know, hold my position here that Daniel Norris is going to get in better shape this offseason, finally have an offseason with no injuries involved where he can just go and do his thing, do his, you know, taekwondo and, and surfing, surfing and, and sitting on assorted, you know, piles of, you know, discarded furniture and taking pictures, you know, whatever it is that he needs to get in the right frame of mind in the offseason and come out next year and and look a lot more like the Daniel Norris that we find, that we last saw really in 2016. So that's been that's been a positive for me um, is is seeing him kind of kind of put, starting to put it together that way because then you have him and we'll see what the Tigers do with Boyd this offseason. I don't know. They, maybe there's still a chance of a trade, but at least you've got Daniel Norris. You've got Matt Boyd. I don't know about Spencer Turnbull. I, I'm still, you know, jury's pretty far out as far as whether or not he's going to be able to kind of rein everything in and, and tie his, his pitches all together and be able to uh, compete as a starter. But you do have him in your back pocket and you've also got Michael Fulmer coming back next year. Not yes, to mention yes. the opportunity to finally maybe just move on from from Jordan Zimmerman sometime next year um, because it's you know it's just not working out. Oh, it's <laughs> not. No, not really. This is new 
news to me. I'm sorry <laughs> to break it to you like this on a podcast in front of oh, other people. Oh, I'm going to have but... to burn my Zimmerman jersey. What's going to happen? Oh, no. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, so I could see, you know, Daniel Daniel coming back and having a pretty good year next year. And that, at least, is um, is some consolation for this season. But, yeah. It hasn't, there isn't really a whole lot else that stood out. Like, if you're looking at the Young Tigers, for the most part right now, is there anybody that, that gives you that feeling like, yeah, this guy might actually, you know, turn into a, you know, a major league regular baseball player for the Tigers who produces above, you know, the league average war next season? Is there anybody out of this group that you would forecast it for, that for right at this point? I still believe in Jake Rogers, Brandon. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I should leave that out because I do believe in Jake Rogers. <laughs> okay. But so we're not including Jake Rogers. Okay. Um, like of our current major league roster or like eerie, like, or like, you know, team no, yeah, the major league roster, like any of the, any of these guys who are, you know, kind of not, not Gordon Beckham, not Jordy Mercer. Cause we know they're going to be gone, but Travis Demerit, Nico Goodrum, Victor Reyes, Dawel Lugo, um, you know, I, mean, I still, I, I still want to, I still have, moderate expectations of Willie Castro um, potentially doing something. Um, I, I am still a Nico Goodrum believer. I mean, he's never going to throw up like a 130 WRC plus or anything, but I could see him being like a good 108 guy for next season, you know, above average consistently. Yeah. Uh, I could see him continuing in that role. I would really still just kind of like them to throw him in at everyday second base. Yep. Yep, I would still like to find yeah find Nico Gooder Mahome as well. All right, that's a good one because that that's actually what I would have said as well. <laughs> oh, damn, we agree. Yeah, because yeah, I think people, I think you know, like Nico Goodrum has kind of flown under the radar again a little bit, and unfortunately, it lo- doesn't look like he's going to be able to be come back this season. But um, but you know, posted a ninety four WRC plus one hundred two last season. Um, yeah, there's, there's still kind of some things to like there. And if the Tigers could just possibly find him a position there, there, that at least is one guy that I feel like could play a starting role and, and not hurt you and yeah, at least yeah. be an average player. I feel like uh, he's a non-liability going forward. Like, I think that that's a guy that's not going to like lose you runs. And I, I, for the 2020 season, I feel like that's a, a boon for the Tigers. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, he, he, you know, I mean, really the only flaw with Nico Goodrum is that he does strike out too much, but yeah, yeah I mean, guys who walk and hit for po- some power and can steal you some bases and play all over the field, like, I'm, I'm into that, and I'm hoping that Travis Demerit can kind of turn into that same type of player. Like, I don't really believe that Travis Demerit is going to work out and be like a three or four war regular in right field, but, um, but yeah, if you have two guys like that who can do a lot of different things... At least it gives you some flexibility there. Um, the sad part, I think, is that it, it really doesn't feel like Jamer Candelario is 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 mm. kind of making it happen. Like it doesn't really feel like that's coming around, and that surprises me because he he still to this day has such a good approach and you know really good plate discipline. We know that he has the raw power to you know to drive a ball 440 feet. We've seen yep. a couple yep. of them. But um, but he just doesn't seem to be able to, to to take it to the major leagues from Toledo and and it's it's a drag. I I really like Jamer. Um, the defense was really good at third base and he's done just fine transitioning over to first base somewhat to let Nico or uh, to let Dowell Lugo play. But yeah, I'm just not uh, I'm not sure it's going to come around. But he is still 
at least we do have this going for us. He's 25. He's going to be 26 next year. Um, most of the other guys that people are thinking of as our prospects who who are in the, in the majors this year are, are that old or older already as well. So perhaps there there is still some hope, but um, but yeah, it's it's been he's been disappointing. Kristen Stewart has been okay with the bat. I think uh, he'll take a step forward next year, but uh, obviously the defensive issues have all kind of come to the fore um, for everyone to see, which we had talked about throughout his minor league career, and you know that's just going to limit sort of what they can do with him as well. But um, I don't know the way things are going. Maybe Miguel Cabrera, you know, averages eighty to a hundred games. Per season going forward, maybe Kristen Stewart has plenty of opportunity to DH as well. Yeah, so. I th- and that's you and I like even last year that has said that that's really where he's kind of positioned to go in the future, um, and I think that's really the best use of him. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, maybe he could improve a little bit defensively, but you know, he's not he's not particularly young. It, it seems unlikely he's going to get much faster. I don't know. I said the same thing about Nick Cassianos and Nick kind of proved me wrong by getting in a lot better shape and, and kind of getting leaner and everything. I don't know. Maybe Kristen Stewart has a little bit of that in him, but yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really seem like um, a starting outfield role is, is going to be the place for him long-term. No, no. All right. Well, this brings us to the man of the hour. Oh, darn. The legendary, the legendary Victor Reyes, who I think is probably everybody's, you know, kind of, kind of choice for, you know, young tiger of the year, the way things have gone this season. Um, have you gotten to see much of Victor Reyes play lately? Because I know you've been very busy. I have not. I have not. Yeah. All right. Um, let me let me break it down for you because please tell me the Victor Reyes story. Yeah, I mean Victor Reyes right now feels like the classic Lloyd McClendon pupil, who is who's basically like taken his two strike approach and made it his entire approach. Like, I'm just going to shorten up. I'm just going to kind of serve line drives all around the field and try to spray the ball. And surprisingly, it's been working so far. <laughs> um, right now, I think Victor Reyes, where is he sitting? He's got a 101 WRC+. Plus. Nice. So he's batting 309, which is pretty pretty darn good. Although we all know that batting average is... Yeah, low. batting average is, you know, the lowest common denominator stat. But yeah. I like it. A 309 ain't bad. Yep, yep. But but the flaws, of course, are he doesn't really walk very much. Like, the walk rate isn't terrible. 5.1 isn't terrible, but it is it is below average. And then you look at his BABIP, and it's 400. But, I mean, how many and games is that? 216 plate appearances, 52 games. Well, I mean... So, I mean, there's just no way that's not very, very lucky. Um, you will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's kind of the thing. Like, I, you know, you look at him and really all he's got going for him right now is, is batting average. And that batting average is, is pretty heavily propped up just by, by the ball dropping in ways that it, it really doesn't over over the longer term. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have better news for people um, out there about Mr. Reyes. Because one thing he has done this year is, is kind of developed into a, a pretty solid center fielder. Um, we saw him play pretty good left field last year, but... Uh, he's actually been above average in center field, according to a couple of the metrics. And I think that really kind of, at, at very least, I don't want to, like, we were talking about this too, because I was I'm right, actually writing this article and I was trying like hell not to just like pile on um, in a season full of misery and, you know, kick the uh, kick the football out from under everybody who's, you know, looking at Victor Reyes like the one guy who actually has kind of done something and, and looks like he might turn into something. But, you know... 
there, there's only so much you can do, and there's there's just a lot of weakness in that profile. But what it does tell me is that because he's figured out how to play center field and has the speed to do it, like maybe at least there's a role for him as a fourth outfielder, which I didn't really even even think was possible. And it's possible too that maybe he and Jacoby Jones just you know kind of just platoon out there. Um, Jacoby Jones did pretty well this year on his own. Like made made some strides, but um, he made some strides, but he also went backwards and jump, which is like, I mean, nobody cares about jump but me. But like, it is interesting to see how it decreased um, over the past couple of seasons. And when you've got the only guy out there who's a pretty consistent outfielder, decreasing. Yeah, like right now, Jones is listed under Kristen Stewart as far as as player jump goes, which I think is not a great sign. Yeah, probably not. Although, you know, the other thing too, though, is like that 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 jump stat is pretty new. I'm still not sure. It is, like but I find it interesting because it, it is. It is it, yeah. It's not like it's not a you know a, a runs averager or anything like that. But I think it's a really good way of measuring a player's reaction time and efficiency when it comes to getting to a ball. And that's not for nothing when it comes to being a good outfielder. Um, And to see it decrease regularly over seasons is, is definitely something to, I think, keep an eye on Um, because it just means that you're, you're getting worse at reacting. um, And that's not a great thing. Um, I mean, look at jump. If you guys have never done it, it is new. It is just a stat that launched this year and it breaks down um, outfielder reaction times and into like three separate phases. So kind of like reading the ball, moving, and reacting to the read on that ball and moving in the right direction to get to the ball is basically the three phases of jump. Um, And the combination of those and the speed and accuracy of which you move is kind of how they assess um, player quality. So it is a very interesting stat, but it is very new and it would be like me um, to latch onto something like that. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, it's interesting. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that's broken. It's broken down, and I, and I think it's cool. I'm just not sure if you know if that actually tells you you know what how good a guy's defense is. Like, it's just so hard because if you're a guy who's really fast, and you know, like Jacoby Jones, you know, you have super huge closing speed. Like taking yeah, that yeah. extra that extra step to make sure you've got a full bead on you know the the ball's trajectory and distance. Maybe it doesn't hurt you, um, but it is interesting for sure. And I also, I don't know, there was just a, a few hints this year of, of a slight decline in his speed. Um, I, I believe it was especially from home to first. And that's another one where, you know, there, there are so many factors in that. Like maybe, you know, if you're swinging, if you, if you put the ball in play on more outside pitches where you're reaching for the ball, you, maybe you don't get out of the out of the box as fast. It's really hard to know how all those all those different factors interplay. But it is interesting that Jacoby Jones, you know, like so much of what he does well is is based in his athleticism. And guys like that don't always age that well. Or if they do age that well, like it can be a real you know one injury that all of yep, a sudden just yep. changes everything for him, and then you know it's just kind of over. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. You know, Jacoby Jones is already 27 as well. Um, it, it's hard to really imagine him being around and a starter, uh, you know, whenever the Tigers decide to, you know, be competitive again. Um, yeah, it's I not mean, impossible, but it's just like, you know, it, three years from now, is Jacoby Jones going to be better or worse than he is now? And most of the aging curves would suggest that a player who's barely hanging on as a hitter in the major leagues and you know is based kind of in his speed more than anything probably is going to struggle at that point so. 
And I don't particularly see him being able to be kind of converted into a utility Don Kelly type. Like, I, I don't know that he has the flexibility to make himself useful in that way. Um, yeah, it's hard to say because he was, you know, he was he was an infielder when he was in the minor leagues, too. And maybe. But yeah, but I, we, he just hasn't done any of that in so long. It's hard to know. I mean, if you were going to like think long term for Jacoby, I think the plan would be to start kind of testing him more in trying to maybe put him in the infield, like not permanently, but just say like, hey, I wonder what you can do at third base since Jamer Candelario is terrible. Um, yeah, yeah, and Dawa Lugo probably is terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, like maybe throw him there for a game and see what happens. I mean, it can't be much worse than it was with Nick. <laughs> so. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imagine that he's probably not bad in the infield. I think he'd probably be all right. Like he, we know he's got an arm. He's, you know, he's got a good arm. Yeah, he's got yeah. some quickness to him too. So yeah, uh, the reaction time would be the thing to watch for. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, maybe it'll go that way. I think for next year, it, the problem is we just don't have anybody coming up to push these guys out of out of their role either. So you know, Jacoby Jones and Victor Reyes are probably going to compete. You know, for the center field job next spring. Well, one of um, them is going to get injured, and then there won't be a competition. So. Well, there's there's always that sort of thing, but at least they're not pitchers. You know, maybe it, maybe it won't be quite that bad. But yeah, yeah. it's um, it's just getting to that point where you know Jacoby Jones kind of either needs to break out, you'd think next year somehow, or he's just going to settle in the way I assume Victor Reyes is as as kind of you know utility outfielder guy who pinch runs sometimes and. You know, and, and that's kind of it, which is unfortunate because Jacoby Jones did make some some strides this year at the plate, but um, you know he, he increased his walk rate. He hit for a little bit more power, um, eleven home runs in three hundred thirty three plate appearances, as opposed to eleven home runs in four hundred sixty seven plate appearances last year. Um, it's just kind of a drag that we didn't get to see him, you know, down the stretch because I would have liked to have gotten a better eye for whether you know things have actually changed for him or if the ball is just kind of bouncing his way a little bit more this year. Um, yeah. So we'll see how those things go. But, um, but again, like it just, it's just hard. It, we're just scraping the bottom of the barrel with these guys. Like there, there really isn't anybody who's exciting me, unfortunately. Uh, even Willie Castro, who I like and, and Willie Castro is a lot younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that, and you know, people out there who, if you don't really kind of, think about much you know that the minor leagues or prospects or aging curves or any of that kind of stuff it's super important how how young these guys are or aren't like if a guy is 25 the odds of him really improving dramatically in any way are pretty slim like it does happen you can all throw up your jd martinez and jose bautista's at me all you want to but um but for the most part you know by the time you're 25 26 you're kind of who you are. But when you're 22, like Willie Castro, you can look terrible right now, and that's okay. And if he comes out next year, um, swings the bat a little bit more like he did with Toledo this season and plays solid defense, you know, you're all going to be very happy. Um, I'm still not sure he's like the starting shortstop of the future. Um, He still might be more of the utility infielder of the future just because the bat isn't really set up to be, you know, particularly good, maybe average. Um... But yeah, but for now, you know, you just kind of got to let these guys like screw up and make mistakes and take their lumps a little bit. Just got to, you just got to be like, they'll do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Jake, Jake Rogers is another one where it's, you know, they did all these things with them in the, in the minor leagues. Jake Rogers was the one guy who, who you actually could see like all these swing changes they were trying, like, um, you know, 
setting up with his hands, you know, higher and then lower again. And, and then they really, they decided low was good. They were going to keep the hands down. They tried to get him to get rid of, you know, the leg kick and go to the opposite field more. And then either they changed their minds about that or Jake Rogers just said, no, this isn't working. I've got to, you know, swing for the fences and hit taters because that's, that's my game. That's all I got. Um, and so he kind of went back to the big leg kick. And yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just been kind of a kind of a mess, sort of the way they've. Ha- you know, I don't want to say it's a mess the way they've handled them. It just feels like a mess because there's just been so much kind of experimentation um, along the way, and then it was just like, well, you're in the major leagues now. Go get him, kid. And uh, and unfortunately, he's he's really kind of just blown a tire um, offensively. So it's nice to see him get a couple hits today. Um, I'm not that worried about him. He's not nearly um, as bad as as he's looked so far. I yeah, still think yeah. he's going to kind of end up grading out as a pretty average hitting catcher. And everyone should take Ashley's advice this offseason. They didn't last season. And sign themselves a, a decent hitting veteran catcher. Let you know, let Jake Rogers and Grayson Griner kind of cycle through AAA a little bit. One of them can come up. One, the other one, you know, goes down. I would like the Tigers to sign Alex Avila again. Yeah, I mean, he really he's is. a free you know, agent. Yeah, but he's kind of the perfect candidate for it. Um, there's a couple other guys, you know, maybe you, maybe you try that with Luke Roy or, or someone else, but there's options, man, but you're never going to be mad at yourself for signing a veteran catcher. Like Mike Zunino might not have panned out as well as the Rays had hoped, but he was really good. Who thought Travis Darno would have been as good as he was for them? Like take a risk on a catcher, my friends to GMs listening everywhere. Uh, I would signed myself a 27 year old to 29 or 32 year old catcher any day over a guy who hit you know a couple extra home runs last season yeah i mean if the guy can play you know first base at all you know like just oh yeah just just add a guy like that to your roster because it just seems like and especially with the you know the um the 25 man roster expanding to 26 you know why not stash that extra guy um leave yourself the ability to pitch it excuse me, pinch hit for your catchers late in games. And you just never, you know, you just never prepared. You just never have enough catching. Um, nobody does. There just aren't that many catchers who are good and can hit. There's just, you know, not nearly enough to go around. So any chance to get someone like a Darno who has that ability to kind of get streaky, you know, yeah, you should, you should take that on because um, betting on young catchers to come up and hit while you're also like in their ear every goddamn day for hours about, you know, the other team's hitters and all their pitch tendencies and all your pitchers and all their tendencies and how to manage them and, you know, what to think about in this count, what to think about that count. And then it's like, okay. And then, uh, yeah, go learn how to hit well too. <laughs> yeah, you're at yeah. it. No it's big just deal. a lot harder. Yeah. It's just a lot harder thing than it is in any other position. So yeah, having, uh, having that veteran experienced catcher around, I am always in favor of, um, you know, the Tigers have kept John Hicks around for, you know, a couple years for no real reason because he isn't, you know, good at anything, um, but, but he can catch. And if you can catch, you know, like you can, you can almost always kind of sign on somewhere. So yeah. Yeah. It's just not a bad move, especially, you know, we saw back in 2017, you know, we, we didn't necessarily need Alex Avila, but you know, someone's going to need a catcher. He was good and he was trade bait. So yeah. yeah someone is going to need a catcher. Like one of the, the, you know, the team's heading to the postseason. That's the one thing you can't just you know, kind of fudge over, like, well, all right, you know, we, Carlos Correa's down, we can just move Bregman to shortstop and call up Toro to play third. You know, if you are if you have a problem with your catching down the stretch, you have a major, major goddamn problem. Um, so, 
yeah, you just never know. There's just a little bit more opportunity to trade those guys, I think, than than you know, just kind of a generic infielder or outfielder type who a team might figure they can replace anywhere. But you know, you're never going to get very much for them. It's more just a function of like you like you've talked about a whole bunch, just having a leader to you know kind of guide these these guys, um, tell them what to think about, tell them what not to worry about, and you know, bring a little bit of stability to the locker room. So. I really yeah, appreciate that you I listened, listened to, to me. I was all I was all on board for sure. It's like, can we? I mean, especially because my God, like I thought they were just. It really felt like because they didn't do that, I thought they were just going to be like, ah, fuck it, you know. End of April, we're calling Jake Rogers up. Him and Griner were going for it the whole season, but then they didn't do that, and it was just like, dude, you guys are going to play John Hicks and Grayson Griner. Like neither of these guys is neither mm-hmm. of these guys can hit, and neither of them is really a, a plus as a catcher. Although Griner continues to impress me in some small ways, and and actually seems to be, I think you know Griner's going to be a fine backup catcher. It'd be really nice if he could find a way to to tap into his gigantic behemoth power because he's a big son of a gun. Well, but yeah, we'll just me, have to say. For me, the thing is, I was never mad about him being brought up. I was irate about the idea of bringing up a guy who's had thirty-seven plate appearances as suddenly being your everyday catcher. Yeah, yeah, like it's, we're just you just going don't. With him do that it's just it's a setup for disaster it really is and you know the, the question with the tigers always right now is you know oh, does it yeah but does it matter um but in that case it really does because <laughs> you're hurting your pitchers um when you don't have good defense when you don't have you know a solid catcher that they're familiar with and that they trust um mm-hmm. it's just not it's not good for anybody and the only thing the tigers can really do on the field right now is boost the value of their their trade chips and try to develop their players so i mean you could argue that it's the most important thing you could do because there's not a whole lot else you can you're really going to get accomplished right now um so yeah hopefully uh they will take that advice in the offseason i'm sure you'll remind them at some point I hope you better believe that there is a Alex Avila should be re-signed to this off-season post that will probably land around December. So yeah, I'm already thinking about it. Okay, but you need to really work from a PR angle and figure out, you know, how Al Avila can sell this without. I mean, obviously, there's going to be. I mean, like, there's always going to be the cries of nepotism, sure, right? But, but sure. like, but you do have to have some kind of answer to that because you know, of course, a lot of those guys are just haters. Because I'll be able to compare but... Alex Avila's tenure with the diamond. He pitched. Yeah, he could true. pitch if we need him to. Yeah, he's got a he's got a nasty something curveball. Yeah. I'm still laughing. I'm, now I'm yeah. laughing thinking about Ian. I am, from a PR Ian perspective, Kinsley. there are plenty of Tigers fans out there that still own Avila jerseys and would like to wear them because yeah, they can't sure. right now because it looks like they're rooting for the front office. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. There's a reason I would like to pull mine out of the closet. Yeah. And I mean, Alex Avila make, make, does make a lot of sense to, to come back to the org at some point, you know, yep. anyway. But again, it's also... I, I would say fairly possible that uh, a team that isn't god awful is like, hey, Alex Avila, you want to come come catch for us for a year? And Alex Avila's like, yeah, I'd rather go there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, can, I can yeah. always go to Detroit, probably. You know, at, well, and the, the thing end, is, he'll end up in the coach. Detroit coaching org at some point in the next five years. Anyway, we've already talked about that, but it would be nice to kind of see him move there directly from kind of it winding down his actual catching career, which he's only got a little bit left on anyway. I mean, the guy took a beating for how many years? Uh, but man, he's just so good at what he does. Yep. Yeah, and just um, just everywhere he goes, like it just seems like everybody ends up all all the pitchers and and players on the on the team just end up loving the guy. So he, yep. he definitely yep. has something there. You know, grew up around the game. I'm sure he just has a really good feel for how to deal with the egos and and just deal with baseball players in general. And once again, mm-hmm. you know, he hasn't played that much. 
he hasn't played that much, but he's out here, you know, with a 102 WRC plus again this season, like still productive. Consistency, that's my boy. That's why we go on and on about, you know, people who walk versus people who don't, because Alex Vila will always get on base. Plate discipline has always been not, one of his keys. He is not going to swing at it if it's not a strike. Mm-hmm. If it is a strike, he's probably going to miss it, but he's going to be swinging. <laughs> and when he hits it, it's going to go a long way because Alex Avila has, has really good raw power. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm on board with this plan for sure. I'm into it. All right, but you know, speaking about him dealing with pitchers and like big pitcher egos, we can talk a little bit about Justin Verlander if we want oh, to. Oh, yeah, we should, uh, we should discuss this because, yeah, it was, um, it was kind of a hilarious roller coaster for, for Justin there was, Verlander. There was a lot going on in Justin Verlander land. Yeah, yep, he, in, in about a week's time, um, it's hard to say if he. <laughs> it's been too long. I don't. He was trending up. for a couple of different reasons. Yeah, like some good, some amazing, and oh, some oh. less good. I just can't remember. So one of them is Tigers related. Let's just get the Tigers related one out of the way. So if you lived under a rock and you missed it, um, I'm just trying to get just the verbiage right because I'm not sure about the, whether or not he ordered the specific thing, he, or if he just asked, in his but, in his phrasing, he asked um, to not have Anthony Fennec from the free press. Um, one of the Tigers beat writers, if you don't follow on Twitter or you don't read the free, then that's fine. If you just listen or read us, uh, bless your heart. Um, but uh, I guess he had some issues and the, the issues that he had specifically were that I guess Fennec had taken some quotes that he'd overheard. And we're not talking about like deep baseball secrets. We're talking about like, Justin Verlander likes astronomy. Like he, he was watching a, a moon eclipse or something. Kind of Al and I guess, line about it. Yeah. 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 And so I guess Anthony tweeted about it saying, you know, Justin Verlander likes full moons, I'm told. <laughs> or like, you know, and not, and not even in like a weird, like accidentally like talking about butts way. Like I just phrased it. Like, you know, you know how Anthony tweets. It's just like, oh, blank, you know, overheard oh, this happened. Yeah. And, I, and I guess... I guess Verlander took a little bit of umbrage with, you know, behind the scenes bits of information being shared in such a way um, and decided that he wanted to have Anthony barred from the general press scrum after the game. Now, what kills me about this on so many levels is that, A, this is hardly the first time Anthony has been there with the press since this happened, since Verlander's been traded, since the Tigers have played the the Astros in the two seasons where that's been the case. This has never come up. It is also wildly, wildly against the rules established between MLB and the BBWAA through the like contract with the CBA. Yeah, it's in the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, a lot of acronyms. Yeah. I, just, I just wrote a ton of acronyms, but like basically part of the collective bargaining agreement is that players will make themselves avail- available after games with only like very serious restrictions to reporters that are with the Baseball Writers Association of America. And Anthony is. And if you don't he, understand the point or why that that would be, you know, why that would be the case, it's because otherwise players would just, you know, would just take the guy who paints them in the best light or, you know, is willing to go to bat for him and never says anything bad about him. And those would be the only guys who'd be allowed in the club. Well, and more seriously than that, it, it would give players who have maybe grudges or things where perhaps they don't want 
female reporters to be able to ask questions after games to say, no, I would prefer she not be allowed in there because I, you know, just don't like her and not because, you know, I just don't like women. And like, and that's an over, it is something that they could get away with if these rules weren't in place. And so it is part of a much larger issue beyond Justin Verlander just not liking Anthony Fennick and not liking that he, you know, tweeted some stuff that he overheard in the clubhouse. It's it it was a way out of line for the Astros to agree to it in the first place, to not admit that they'd made an incredible mistake after the fact, to kind of be like, no, we stand by it, it's fine, we did what we did. Um, no, you didn't do what you did. You 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 done fucked well, up. That was, like that was a bad. Yeah, thing. the thing about it is that you know Justin Verlander said he wasn't going to talk to Anthony Fennick, which is always they're right. But it, but we don't and and maybe he did yeah. specifically ask clubhouse attendants to and security to bar Anthony Fennick from the from the clubhouse. We don't know that, but one way or the other, that's that's what the Astros went and did. Um, you know, Justin yeah. Verlander can say whatever he wants, and as long as the team doesn't comply with it, it doesn't matter. You know, that's that would be totally fine. But no, the team was like, you know, Justin Verlander and tells us to do it. We're doing it, so he totally big timed. You know the whole situation as well. In in you know what can be an, an occasional you know pretty douchey moment from Justin Verlander, like um. I mean, he claims that he reached out to the free yeah. press to give them kind of an opportunity to either, I guess, I don't know if like hash it out or to send another reporter. But then you know you have the sports editor for the free going. I don't know who you talked to because it sure wasn't me. Yep. And, and, and it's also not your job to decide who I send from my company to cover cover baseball like it's not a role that you even get to have a say in so settle down hot chat (laughs) yeah Yeah, like it's like that that sets a bad precedence when you've got anthony who's been on the beat for however many years he has and it's been a long time um and you kind of assume like there must be some personal like you know it probably goes beyond that but none of that matters it doesn't matter what you know justin berlander thinks of anthony yeah and, and Brittany Jolie, who wrote for the Orioles, and I don't know if she still is the MLB writer for the Orioles or if she's she's with the Athletic now, I should yeah. say. Um, I, I know this for sure because she wrote about it after the fact because she had a similar experience um, with a pitcher who she didn't name um, where she kind of pointed out that something had happened where he had a bit of a beef with her. Um, and what happened is that the, the club, rather than kind of acquiescing to his request that she not be allowed to participate instead kind of came to an agreement where the two of them were able to speak to each other privately yeah. um, where they kind of got to air it out and kind of come to terms with what it was and they were able to like report like uh, come to each other with respect and work together after that and I, I think that that's the way the Astros should have handled this like, yeah for sure because I mean it just all comes down to it's none of this is up to the players like you know the, and for the players to you know, to assert the power to basically determine whether or not this person, you know, can do their job to the point where, you know, I mean, if, you know, if a player doesn't, you know, say someone on the Tigers right now didn't like Anthony Fennick and tried to make this happen, you know, you're basically, you know, affecting Anthony Fennick's livelihood. Like, you you know, you're, mm-hmm. you as a baseball player are saying that, oh, this guy, I'm going to get this guy fired from his job. Because if he's not allowed in the clubhouse to do, you know, to do what he needs to do, then the newspaper has to send someone else, you know, to do that job, and he can't do that job. I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I don't like slippery slope arguments all that much. I think we make too many of them in, in the world nowadays. Um, but, well, but well, that is definitely one where if if that was allowed to kind of kind of stand and, and go forward, like players would just go ham 
you know, taking yeah. it, taking yeah. out every grudge they have on, you know, reporters and, and, and all stripes everywhere. I don't care how good or how famous Justin Verlander is. I mean, we know Justin Verlander. We are very familiar with him as Tigers fans. No one player should be above the CBA because that's there for both parties. And you shouldn't be able to just say, I know that these rules that our entire, you know, organized union agreed to, um, but I feel like they shouldn't apply to me. And that that's bullshit to you. And it's, it's bullshit to like the rest of the players that it impacts and everybody else that's involved in it um, to say that you're better or above it. So sorry, buddy. I'm, I'm siding with the freep on this one. Yeah. And all in that same, okay, so that happened, and then... So that was the bad. Well, that wasn't all the bad, because Justin Verlander also got oh. ejected um, yeah, that, oh, yeah, that, was that same week for arguing balls and strikes, which I don't think had ever happened to him. I think it was the first ejection ever. And He was very, he was very about it. About yeah, it. and I mean, you just kind of wondered, like, is this all kind of getting to him? Because, you know, he started this thing and, and pretty much took a... I, I mean, I had to, I, I was shocked myself, but I actually had to take it, you know, take it to task and, and yell at Justin Verlander on Twitter. Folks, I hated to do it. <laughs> this is my favorite player you, you ever. It, I mean, your, your mentions, I think, were garbage fire for, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. a day or so after Yeah, that. I mean, most people agreed with me, but the people who agree with you aren't the ones that, that uh, comment, you know, it's the people calling you, a, you know, whatever. So, but who cares? Yeah. I don't care about people. So, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> At least that. Pe- I'm very familiar with name calling on the internet. <laughs> I'm a woman who writes about sports, so. Oh man, yep, it's brutal <laughs> out there. It really is. Guys, get it together. You suck. Um, and then okay, so this whole saga concludes with yeah. Then Justin Verlander throws his <laughs> throws his third no, third no hitter of his career, erases all the criticism and concerns. Yeah. Yep. You know, emerges triumphant because he's the fucking man, and that's just how that's just how it is. You know, that's that's just yeah, how it's gonna. Yeah, be. I- <laughs> I had to laugh because there was a great post or I guess somebody had cut together an edit of his old, like perfect game commercial. The one where he met Kate Upton, where he's just like, it was like three, no hitters, still no perfecto. And it was him still trying to sneak into the perfect club. And then Kate Upton's comment underneath it was like, well, like no perfecto, but, and then it was like a baby emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, oh, okay, you done did that. Uh, That was funny. Yep, that was great. Because it is funny to see that commercial because I'd kind of forgotten that that's how they they first met and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, So I thought that was pretty cute. Tough crowd, you know, still just like, eh, no perfecto, Justin. But yeah, so that was, um, you know, Justin Verlander. It's it's always a dog. He's, the first person, the first pitcher ever to do it twice at the same away stadium, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool because it was May 7th uh, for the first one at the, with the Jays, and then he did it again, which I thought was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I still like the pitcher. Oh, yeah. Like, he's still an all-time great, amazing pitcher that I would absolutely love in a heartbeat to see end his career and wear the, the Tiger's hat into Cooperstown, but, like... A bit of a snot. Yeah, I mean, and I still, I mean, I still like Justin Verlander. I, I think he's basically a good dude. It's just that you know he, he is getting into his diva, his divaness. He's deep in his. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're that good, I guess you can get away with it. So like, you do you, Justin. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just is what it is. Like you know, yeah. So that was uh, that was the Justin Verlander saga, and it's never it's never dull over there. But it is just incredible. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to win the Cy Young Award. It seems like he's the 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 slight favorite right now, but you've still got, you know, Garrett Cole, you've got Charlie Morton, who the Astros were stupid not to sign back because they would be walking, mm-hmm. they would be walking away with this thing if they had signed Charlie Morton back. 
um, you know, there's, you know, it's pretty much down to those couple guys. And um, you would think that this, you know, the no hitter is like that little point of emphasis that can turn the, the, the dusty pea brained sports writers who vote on these things, you know, in the, in the proper direction for, for once. Cause it just seems like sometimes they need, they need that narrative more than anything. Like that, that's what it comes down to is can I, I'll vote for this guy if I can find a way to, you know, to make a slightly controversial story out of the whole thing um, seems to be the, the way to go, or at least like, you know, some kind of hotness involved. So throwing the no-no doesn't hurt you. And maybe he will finally get the long deserved third Cy Young this year, but in the end, it doesn't matter. He's he's a Hall of Famer already. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. So yeah. Don't, don't even sweat it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, do we want to talk yeah, about? That's a no. Do doubt. we want to talk about Nick Nick Castellanos and the? Oh, we kind of talked about it at the beginning. I the, don't know, the, man. The swagification it's... of Chicago. Oh my God! It's like, what do they love it? They get like it's like big swinging Nick. Big Nick um, energy. Oh my God! Big Nick energy, man. Chicago is enamored with Nicholas Castellanos. Yeah. Like he, and it's funny because I like I keep seeing tweets pop up from his girlfriend about like ladies I know I love him too but like chill uh, like settle down we, you know we love Chicago too but like he's got a girl yeah. um I mean like he's still Nick like there was a post the other day where I guess he and his girlfriend uh Jessica I think is her name I don't want to get that wrong but I'm pretty sure it is um I and I guess his his son were out and they had like a picnic in like the outfield at Wrigley and brought a you know kid's pool out into the field so that they could have a good afternoon out there and I'm not I don't know my thing with him is I'm not at all mad that he's excelling and doing so well and being liked like unless you take into account the beginning of last season of the podcast where I just was like Nick put just button up your goddamn shirt Um, (laughs) and had some had some Nick issues Nick grew on me over that year and a bit and I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's doing well, and I'm happy he's playing on a contending team. But I could really do without like the the face the fake philosophy of like how the mind shift changes and the be here now and blah. Like I mean, calm down. Like you're not Sartre. Like just chill out. <laughs> I love and all that though. Play your game and don't make it at the expense of the team that supported you from when you came up until now. And don't claim that Comerica was the problem when you were able to hit 27 home runs there in 2017 and just couldn't do it again. Like, that's not the park's fault. I don't care about any of this. I love Nick. Um, I'm super excited about all this. I'm very happy for him. <laughs> and I'm, and I, am, I am absolutely loving seeing the Chicago Cubs fans just flip out and go crazy for him. Man, because man. Uh, the Tigers didn't appreciate him. Tiger fans, to some extent, didn't appreciate him. And, you know, I don't blame him for wanting to get the hell out of here because it's a cesspool. The one thing I would agree with is that I 
I could do without the shots back. Like we all yeah. know it wasn't fun here. It sucked. You weren't happy. You're in the prime of your career. You put yourself out there in ways that athletes hardly ever do just to really make the case. Like, I really want to stay here. You guys, I really want to sign mm-hmm. an extension and basically, you know, just got completely dissed, like didn't even get an offer. Didn't even like get talks, you know, started, which is, you know, pretty, pretty harsh treatment for um, a fan base who has so many media members who will still tell you that, you know, oh, cutting Jordy Mercer would just would kill the Tigers chances of signing free agents in the future. All that kind of nonsense. Um, You know, I I just I I can I can feel how it all went for Nick. And yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, the podcast, I think, helped a lot of people and kind of kind of warm people up to who he, you know, to who he is. I don't really need the philosophy necessarily either, but I find it hilarious and it just fits so perfectly with the Cubs because the Cubs are so annoying that way. Like they've got the Joe Madden thing where Joe Madden's got all his cute sayings and um, inspirational quotes and, you know, all his, you know, Yogi Berra-esque lingo, all that sort of stuff. So it all just sort of, it all just sort of fits with the, the David Ross to Anthony Rizzo, you know, lineage. Uh, It's just all kind of making sense. I just don't want to hear any more about, you know how hard it was here and how you didn't like playing for the tigers like i, just, like, I don't care <laughs> you can't there. talk to bob nightingale about how much you dislike analytics and then say you go look at spray charts you can't do that it's just like launch angle you know like <laughs> and, and all that stuff like you know anybody who who you know has a problem with any of that stuff it's almost almost a lock that they don't even understand what they're talking about so no, no. yeah so anyway, anyway. I just goes. I'm really looking forward to the Cubs like offering him an extension in the off season, and then fans realizing over the course of an entire season how abysmal his outfield performance is, uh, and watching this all kind of steadily decline. But at least he'll still hit oh home runs. So. Yeah. Hateful. Well, hateful. I just I'm a realist, and yeah, I love that's, it. That's when... Chardon for right there. You're, you want to see it? I do kind of. I mean, I write about the Cubs. I'm going to have to deal with it no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to do fine, you know, for them if they decide to keep him. I, You know, when you look at what he's done over there, though, honestly, like, this is just who he is. Um, you know, he's a little bit streaky uh, because he doesn't walk that much. So he'll have, you know, periods of time where he's not on base as much as you'd like and people get down on him. And then he goes fucking ham for a month or two. And, you know... I've seen a couple wall scrapers in Wrigley. I'm sure be, playing in Wrigley Field is helping him a little bit, and it's helping him probably defensively too. Um, you know, getting to play right field there is a little bit easier. You've got Jason Hayward um, filling up the center for you. So yeah, it's just all in all, it's a good situation. And I just think like you, you can see like what his full potential is right now. Like, and that's a, a good player, which is what I said all along. And the Tigers, you know, just basically fumbled him away for a whole bunch of nothing. Um, Another another asset wasted in the rebuild, which is not great. So, from the Tigers' perspective, that's really the the only the only key takeaway is that you know you had a good player, not a great player, not even a really good player, but just a good player, and got essentially nothing. Like just just fumbled the whole thing, um, devalued him yourself as the the general manager by a lot of the comments that Alavila made along the way. Um, didn't help at all by talking about the fact that oh no one really wants to trade for him and stuff like what I don't even know what you're what you're doing at this point Alvila sometimes so yeah I don't know one way or the other the Nick Castellanos saga in Detroit you know appears to be over um, it's really hard to imagine him wanting to come back here and so 
there it is. Good luck. Fly free, little bird. Do your thing. Go get yourself a postseason. You won't go to World Series, but get a postseason. Yeah, yeah, but at least get back to some postseason play and have a, have a good time. And I'll be, I won't be rooting for the Cubs, but I'll be, I'll be rooting. Well, the Cubs aren't going to make it past the NL, NLDS if they get in. They've had too much of a, I think, a really inconsistent and streaky season. Um, and they haven't ever pulled far enough ahead to really mark themselves as being a championship team this year. I know, uh, but I could say that about the whole National League, really. I don't know. Well, the Dodgers, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are really good. I, I can Look at that. the Dodgers' home record, Brandon, and tell me they aren't good. Yeah, they're definitely good. I mean, Atlanta's good. Washington has, you know, Washington's pretty good still, despite some of their struggles. But none of these teams really has like that, like dynamite bullpen. The shine. Yeah, and the, and the shine. Yeah, I, I, I don't quite feel it. Like it, it certainly feels like it should be the Dodgers' year, but I don't know that tandem of Shane Green and Mark Melanson holding it down in Atlanta. You know, you're, you're not going to hit those guys in the late innings. What are you going to do against that? <laughs> I have been happy to see since we've been talking about Nick, we should give Shane a little bit of a shout out in that, you know, Shane Green's first couple outings with the Braves were just god awful and he was getting shelled <laughs> and they took him out of the closer role like after like three outings in or four outings. Not even it was like it was like the second outing I think he lost the job. Yeah, and since then he's been absolutely dominating. I think he's allowed a run or two one time and that's it. Um so he's been doing great. Um, and, that, and that makes me happy because Shane Green is sort of like the, the, the anti-Nick Castellanos in a way where there's 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 some like hints of, of overt swag t- to Shane Green, but not in his personality. You know, it's in no. the hair, it's in the it's in the dog or, you know, some little gestures that he that he has or the way he talks about things. But he's always very low key, um, you know, keeps it keeps it pretty locked down and quiet and uh, goes about his business and. I really like Shane Green. I was, I was sad to see him go. So rooting for him to do well there as well. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to watch how the Tigers do in the postseason away from the post, you know, yeah. from the actual team. Yep. Yeah, it should. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm just that way. I know you're this way too. Like once, once I kind of love you, like I always like, I, I'll always have kind of a soft spot and, and keep an eye Absolutely. out. Absolutely. I still, still watch out for Ian Kinsler. Still think about him. Miss yeah. him. Yep, same here. I, I mean, yeah, I was so excited when, when Ian Kinsler got the pitch about a month ago. Like, I couldn't contain myself and was like, "Yeah." I mean, that was the same week. It was, was the like same week. Alex Avila and Ian Kinsler pitched the same week. It was amazing. Yep, it was great. Now, if I could just get Jose Iglesias to pitch one time, oh man, Alex Avila got the pitch. That's cool. But I want to see Jose Iglesias pitch one time. That's uh, that's my thing. I'd love to see uh-huh. Miggy pitch, but they'll never let it happen. I mean, maybe in his last season. Yeah, yeah, maybe. He's still got That'd the arm fun. strength. I would yeah. dig it. You know he's going to be a, just a totally ridiculous ham up there and be laughing and just trying all kinds of junk. He'll do like the old Valverde routine where he'll like shake his oh, shoulders God. and look forward and back and, yeah. and just like huff and then, you know, he'll have a whole setup. It'll be amazing. Yeah, yeah, it'll be silly. Yep. So, let's see. The last, well, there's a couple, there's still a couple of things to talk about. Let's get to this one just because um, I, I know everybody's been talking about it. Dave Dombrowski... Mm. One, not even a full season after winning a World Series with the Boston Red Sox, was pretty unceremoniously once again uh, released by the Red Sox. And 
they've decided it seems like that they're just going to kind of promote like the whole like vice president group and yeah and it's the, like like four or five dudes are now taking over managing the team pretty much yeah well there's one woman in there but i can't remember oh. what she, she does either yeah that's right damn i know they should me and my sexist like i know assumptions i feel bad now <laughs> yeah maybe uh maybe they could just no i shouldn't even go there no don't just stop brandon stop right now um it's just been odd and you know they have a they have a vice president eddie romero that i know they really like um i've talked to some people who are boston knowledgeable who seem to think that they would probably like him to to take over um and the Cubs kind of made a move by promote, or at least like creating a new position for Jason McLeod, who is a vice president now of player personnel in Chicago. Um, me and my buddy Mark Garage have wanted Jason McLeod as as Alavilla's replacement for a couple of years, so that made us sad. Um, it also, you know, seemed like kind of a move that came right after Dombrowski's firing to kind of, you know, to kind of block Boston out if they had any designs on on trying to come after McLeod. Um, but once again, Dave Dombrowski fired in kind of a weird kind of miasma of, you know, kind of silence from ownership and the timing is weird. And, um, but you know, the ownership group ne- never talked about it. Yeah, there's like, no press conference. They yeah, were just like, no, we're not going to talk about it. Bye. Yeah. The players found out and Alex Cora, their manager found out and then had to like handle all the PR for the, for the organization over it because nobody even came down to talk about it. Um, the whole thing was weird. Is there something about Dave Dombrowski that just in the end, like, rubs people wrong, do you think? Is it the polos, do you think? It might be Like, all polos. of those stripy button, those, those stripy polo shirts? Is he just too fresh? Is he, do they think he's just running off to play golf? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Could it, be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, I mean, I've obviously never met Dave Dombrowski, but I never disliked him. Yeah, he, like, seemed, he, he, he he's, seemed like a very nice... He, like he gives you like a like he's a very nice man. He like, seems like, reserved, like you're, but... you're nice. Like if your mom got remarried and Dave Dombrowski was your stepdad, I feel like you would probably not be mad about it. Yeah, unless that's you were, what maybe he gives you nice, nice stepdad, stepdad vibes. Yeah, maybe if you were a teenager, you wouldn't be so into it. But <laughs> fucking polos. But yeah, you'd be happy like if your mom met that dude when you know once you were in your twenties and yeah. you wanted to go on and be happy. Like oh yeah, he'll. You know, he's a solid dude. So are we dude. saying in, in this dude. metaphor that the Boston Red Sox are like an irate 14-year-old whose mom remarried and they're just done? Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. You're not my real dad, Dave Nebraska. You're not my real dad anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is weird. But um, do you think, okay, here's here's the real question. This is like to get to brass tacks here since we've been going on for a while do you think Dave Dombrowski gets another GM position? Absolutely. Or do you think... Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. I'm not so sure, man. I think I he do. will. I But I still think it's like a little bit more like 65-35. I oh. think that Dave Dombrowski is, you know, is kind of a relic at this point. Like, there, there's things he can do for you um, in terms of negotiating. You know, yeah, he's got, you know, he's obviously got skills as a negotiator and a deal maker, but... I don't know. Like it just feels like the time has passed for the type of GM that Dave Dombrowski is, and obviously Boston thinks that's the case. Um, we don't really know what you know Mike Illich's motivations particularly were. Like you know, it yeah. might have just been you know rage and frustration more than any specific you know thought process or, or yeah. decision. But um, you know, Dave Dombrowski's not a he's not a real, not an analytics guy. Um, he's not a guy who's had any success building farm systems anytime in in recent history. And 
I mean, I assume he did what, you know, John Henry and, and the Red Sox ownership group wanted, which is come in, you know, do whatever you what do what it takes and, and win us a World Series. But in the process, of course, he traded away a a pretty substantial amount of, of very high end prospects. He signed a couple of fairly injury prone pitchers in Chris Sale and David Price to some very expensive contracts. And I don't know, it just sort of feels like maybe this is the, the scapegoat goading at the end, like Boston saying like, all right, we're going to have to stay now, you know, we have to take a step back for a couple of years because this guy over here spent all of our money and gave away all of our good young players. And all we got was this lousy World Series trophy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you got to assume there's probably a team out there that's like, who fucking cares? I just want to win a goddamn ring. Yeah. Yeah, and Dombrowski yeah. can get you to the World Series. So, yep. So, who's in the position that Boston was in in you know heading into the 2016 season? I, I mean, I, you could think of like maybe the White Sox. Um, uh, I don't. Are they there yet? I mean, they do have the young talent already in place, and they've still got and everyone kind of thought everyone kind of thought they were going to do it like by I think this year when yeah. they started making some of those moves. So you know, maybe. Yep, and they haven't really started to spend the money. Um, you know, they're kind of kind of getting the young guys up. They've got Dylan Cease up, um, Mike and Michael Kopech, who's one of the best pitching prospects in baseball, should come back from Tommy John surgery if things go well next year. And then, yeah, it feels like once you get to that point, like your window's kind of got to be open because they've already had you know Tim Anderson up for a couple seasons, and he's developed, and he wasn't really like one of the one of the better guys to begin with, but he's turned out okay and. Yohan Mankata's been up a couple years. Um, Eloy Jimenez has been up all this year. They've got Luis Robert coming. So it feels like, you know, you can't wait forever. Like, it does feel like, you know, the, the window has to open in the next year or two for them. So, yeah, maybe maybe they could work for him. Uh, maybe somewhere like, you know, the Padres, if they, you know, if they're like, hey, we're keeping these three guys, and, okay, you can trade the rest to, to get us to the mountaintop. Um, yeah, that, that could, could be interesting. interesting. I mean, that's, that's a team that's, like, hungry for it, too. too. Yeah. So, and they've got the core pieces, I think, to make a, a case for it. Yeah, they've definitely got, you know, one of the top two farm systems in baseball. I mean, oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's a deep goddamn farm system. Um, so Dave could go in there and trade all those guys away if they wanted to. Um, but I just but I just don't know. I just don't know if there are teams that, that think that that's the way to go about it right now. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I still think, like, there may be a bit of a a surprising lack of interest in Dave Dombrowski this off season. Maybe, maybe sometime down the road, that'll change. Um, I could see Dave Dombrowski maybe moving more into like a sports, sports management, you know, agent type role, something like that. Um, or maybe, or maybe something in, you know, major league baseball itself, like some kind of a executive position of some sort, something like that, maybe, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was definitely interesting to see how that all went down. Um, it just seems like, you know, like Dave Dabrowski is always the victim of his own success. <laughs> somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like he does so well, so well, so well. And then, you know, so long. Yeah. Well, we didn't like the way you did it and you didn't win the world series here. And, you know, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough crowd, but that's the business. So and Dave Dabrowski probably knows that as well as anybody. He does understand the nature of the beast. Mm, he sure does. All right. I think that's going to about wrap it up tonight. Um, yeah, I'm going to go watch it. Oh yeah, you should watch it. Yeah, that that's you know, I remember when the the miniseries came out um, back in the eighties that that I was I was into it and it was kind of good, but um, but I read the book and then finally like at age forty three or something and then watched 
the move the first the first part of of the the series and um, the new series the movies. And man, I mean, it, it was it was damn good, and it was way better than the miniseries. I thought um, they actually, you know, I mean, it's not that they needed the CGI that much, but there was just so many things about it that were that were good. Bill Skarsgård is super creepy. Um, he yeah, just does a great job. I'm told that, like, I haven't read the book, and I I, I was a bit too young for the miniseries when it came out, um, and so I have no real exposure to the story whatsoever, except creepy clown once played by Tim Curry. The awkwardly hot Skarsgård, Sarsgard brother is in this as the clown now. So as a, as apart from the conventionally hot Skarsgård brothers, of which there are probably like eight. yeah, there are very <laughs> conventionally hot Sarsgard brothers, and then there's Bill who is like you're weird looking, but I'm not mad at it. Yeah, he's just like the slightly uh, the slightly bug eyed one. But it's yeah, the eyes. Sort of, he's got the creepy eyes. They're like the Hemsworths um, of Sweden, someone called them the other day. They are absolutely. Except that Stellan uh, Skarsgård is like a super highly regarded and and you know very talented actor who's been in all kinds of amazing things. Absolutely. But sorry, Hemsworths, but, yeah. but you're not quite there yet. <laughs> so I don't know like I, I asked a friend I'm like if I watch this right before I go to bed will I regret my life choices and she's like I think the most you'll regret is that it's a pretty long movie like the clown <laughs> is creepy but then we talked about the fact that like she and I both watched Luther which is the Idris Elba uh, oh, um, yeah. C series where he's a detective and she's like I think watching uh, watching Luther before bed is a far worse life decision than watching it and uh, my my subtitle name for Luther is every horrible thing you could imagine happening to a woman, uh, the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's absolutely a scene in that show. Spoilers, everybody. The um, CSI uh, Special Victims Unit wasn't wasn't dark yeah. enough for you. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene in this mo- in this show in Luther where like this woman goes to climb into bed and she's like going to bed for the night and a man just slides out from under her bed and. I've never in my entire life seen anything on TV or in film that scared the bejesus out of me more than that did. And there is a reason there are giant Tupperware bins under my bed now. <laughs> there ain't no room for a body under there. Yeah, you can't do anything. So, uh, all right. So the, so the scene would be that you, you know, you're going to bed and you pull down the covers and then you look and you see that all the Tupperware bins are stacked uh, in, in a no! corner of your room. Why would and, you do that? And then you feel the fingers tickling your ankle. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. I don't know, no. you know. It, it, I'm not one to really take these things too hard, but it did did kind of freak me out. I think you're, you might have some thoughts afterward. But, you know, I mean, as someone who, you know, writes mysteries and has read, you know, tons of things about serial killers, I, I don't think you're going to be too bothered. I think you're going to be all right. Fair enough. There's going to be some haunting images, but man, the kids, the thing about this movie, and it's like the classic, like, Stand By Me thing, where the ensemble cast of kids is fucking brilliant, and when they get that right, like, you almost can't do anything wrong in a movie, because kids, when they're, you know, acting, and and obviously, like, into what they're doing, and it's well-written, you can't go wrong. Like, for me, anyway. Like, I love those kind of movies. Like, you know, from Goonies, it's it just, yeah. I don't know, the whole thing just, just fits perfectly. So, from that side, I think you're going to you're gonna fall in love with all the all the kid characters and stuff. I think um, Sophia Lillis um, is, is going to be a, just a huge star someday. Um, Jessica Chastain is the choice for the her, her grown-up 
part is just perfect because I like that's that seems like the the type of person that she's going to be. So well, I think the the cool thing is that like I've been reading a lot of articles about like the aged up kids um, in the new movie and how good like the actors like how good Bill Hader is and how good um, the guy with the eyebrows. There's another guy in it that's apparently just amazing and has very expressive eyebrows and I can't remember his name, but somebody out there will know what I'm talking about. Um, so but apparently matching just, the kids, yeah, apparently they're, they're stuff, just yeah. insanely good at like picking up on the nuances of the characters and stuff like that. The kid, one of the kids in it was also in Shazam, which if you haven't seen it is totally worth kind of picking up because as comic book movies go, it was like actually very entertaining for a DC movie. Mm, Uh, And I actually really enjoyed it. It was fun and it was cheeky and it was um, really well done. All right. We'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll give it a shot. Um, I think that's about it. I think so too. I kind of wanted to talk about the minor leagues and attendance and, a whole host of other issues with that, but we can save that for the off season when there's there's no more Tiger stuff left to talk about. So, Absolutely. Um, you want to tell us um, what YouTube videos um, you had on your channel this week? And yeah, we, man, we, man, ba- man. All right. um, I had a long-awaited video on Tuesday that was me finally deconstructing a mm-hmm. baseball, but it, <laughs> spoiler alert was not a major league ball. Um, so I did not find in it what I thought I was going to. Um, so enjoy that. I get real mad and I flip it off at a certain point partway through the video. Um, and then today I just released a video on bulks, which (laughs) good luck to any of us explaining that. Um, and then on Saturday, lingo lesson is going to be a bit of a long one, all about dead balls. Um, Oh, right. Yeah. So it's going to be a good week. And then I, starting to kind of film a bunch of postseason stuff so oh cool yeah yeah the, the block thing is it, it is it's just a weird it's a weird part of the game that uh, that just like no one can ever really seem to completely put a finger on what what the hell it is even yeah that was kind of my point i'm like it, look guys look it's hard <laughs> yep it's one of those things I don't, you know, what's a block well i know it when i see it so yeah all right, I think that's going to about do it for tonight. I am going to try to do a podcast on Monday night with um, with our prospect writer, Jay Markle, and we're going to kind of do a little bit of a minor league recap, so you can look forward to that coming out. Um, yeah, that'll probably be next Tuesday, but we'll start to do some, some season review. Um, we're all starting to kind of kick into gear and slowly uh, knock the rust off, which is basically how I'm feeling. And, yeah, uh, and yeah, August start was re- kind of rusty. It, it was. Um, to start reviewing the season... Um, taking a look back at you know how the farm system developed, how all these different players did. Um, we'll be getting into all that kind of stuff as the season concludes. So you can look forward to all that. Um, you can follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home and check out her YouTube channel, which is also 90 Feet From Home. And you can follow me at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter. Thanks a lot for joining us. Ashley, have a good night. You too, man. You too, man. All right. Bye-bye.